Hi listeners, I'm Mary Rectoris, part of Relativity's Community and Customer Advocacy Team. Thanks for tuning in to Stellar Woman in eDiscovery, a campaign that invites members of the eDiscovery community to nominate standout professionals in the legal field. These are women who push boundaries, champion innovations, pay it forward, and inspire. Today, one of our nominees, Judy Torres, is joining us. Judy, welcome. Thank you. So Judy, can you tell listeners about your current role as VP of Information Services at Advanced Discovery? Sure. As VP of Information Services, my teams are both the hosting teams or the litigation support teams that support our relativity users day in and day out, as well as supporting the project managers within the hosted environment, as well as the electronic discovery processing teams here at Advanced Discovery. Thanks for sharing a little bit about that. So before joining Advanced Discovery, you were the Director of Information Services for Saqqara Independent School District. Can you walk us through your decision to move from the education sector to eDiscovery? You know, that was an interesting time. I, I was in the public sector for 14 years, really with management information systems. I don't know if anybody can really remember when uh, that division was called MIS, pretty much standard across the technology fields, but this is where we were really managing data for services that students received throughout the school district, as well as applications for all of the various business units. And when I really didn't even know what electronic discovery was <laughs> when, I, when I initially came into the private sector in 2006, they convinced me that this was the right role for me. They were recru- recruiting me for a couple years when I did transition to the private sector here in electronic discovery, it was sure enough, you know, it is data, mm-hmm. uh, processing data, managing data, and really ensuring that the quality of data is maintained throughout each one of those processes. So although it took a little time to ramp up and adapt my brain to electronic discovery, once I got it, I was addicted. Do you ever see yourself going back to the education side of things? You know, it's a, it's definitely a slower pace. And so on many of those nights when you have tight deadlines and your teams are working as hard as they can and, you know, you're managing the changing dynamics of the industry of what's the newest and latest buzz of what people want to do, those are the days when you say, gosh, you remember those great days at, you know, in the education sector where people went home at five o'clock. But the truth be told, for individuals that are in technology in general, there's just a characteristic about us that wants, that we always want to learn, we always want to do things better, re-engineer things. And I think it would be difficult to, to go back to you know, the education sector. And one of Judy's colleagues nominated her for the Stellar Woman campaign, and I would like to share the nomination with our listeners. So Judy has made a measurable impact in the e-discovery industry with her more than 20 years of experience in information technology, data analysis, software design and testing, and customer support. In her role as the leader of multiple diverse, multifunctional information management teams, Judy is focused on streamlining processes by implementing new technologies and tactical strategies. Her hands-on involvement in technical initiatives, deep understanding of data analytics and reporting, and strong leadership skills have allowed her to play a critical role in operational management and strategic organizational development. 
So Judy, as illustrated in the nomination, you have experience not only in e-discovery, but also in leadership roles. How would you describe your leadership style? Definitely a micromanager. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) What I think I like to do is mentor, understand all of the angles from the glass and really take all perspectives into consideration. I think I'm open and receptive to all opinions. I definitely don't like teams that completely agree with me. And I think if that ever happens, then I just need a completely new team. Definitely. I like them to be not necessarily argumentative, but I definitely want different perspectives because it is then considering all angles for the right approach on anything, whether it is a process or a tool or a decision. And from the immediate leaders uh, that report to me, we have a, a great relationship where we try to arrows in all directions to make sure that we're covering everything. And what are some challenges you find that teams must overcome so they can operate at their optimal efficiency? Well, I don't think it's unlike any other company, but definitely the global teams that maybe aren't all in the same office. So we really need to tighten up our communication skills and make sure we need to communicate differently. We have cameras and Zoom accounts where we're all communicating and still see each other so that everybody kind of feels included. There's so many group email addresses because you don't want to overlook that somebody may not have gotten the message. So I think the virtual office situation that has just kind of overtaken not just the discovery, but overtaken about any industry is that um, the challenges we overcome as a team is to make sure everyone still feels a part of that team, whether or not they're in that office. Kind of backtracking a second, Judy, I know you said your leadership style was one of mentorship. Have you had a mentor who helped you shape the way that you view leadership or running your team? I have totally hit the mentorship jackpot uh, throughout my life. I have been so fortunate and, you know, and they've all been very different. And I think I've really tried to take, you know, the best aspects of each one of them and try to put a little piece of them into into me and and how I've developed. But I mean, I've had mentors in the education side that were great at making me believe that I could do anything. And I had other ones that made me believe I just had to work harder to achieve things. And I had others that taught me to communicate news in a better, you know, sometimes I was just a little too blunt. (laughs) I've had some that have just been great proponents of technology and, and, you know, incorporating that into the classroom and how to position that stance on getting buy-in on proposing a a solution to the board of of directors. In electronic discovery, Margaret Valenzuela, who was the owner of Altep, is just so proper (laughs) and it kind of just reminded me that sometimes you need to sit there and smile and, and listen and be sure that you're really listening and taking in all of the information before you're responding. So don't listen to respond, listen to understand. And I've, I've been fortunate and I think, I hope that someday that the people who are within any of my teams just kind of feel the same way because I've just been so incredibly blessed. 
that's great insight. Thank you, Judy. Going back to the e-discovery field, what are some major milestones that you've seen occur in the past few years? And what trends do you see shaping the field in the years to come? Well, I mean, we can't deny that e-discovery has come a long way. When I started is really the beginning of native productions and, you know, native hosting. Prior to that, everything was kind of processed through imaging. So I really came into the industry at the right time. Throughout this process, we've seen more automation, whether it is automation from processing to hosting, you know, or an automation for review with the incorporation of analytics. I think we're going to continue to see that, potentially a lot more of that happening closer to the left, you know, on the client side, where more automation on the collection of of data. I think we're going to see more automation on the collection of of mobile devices. Here's my big prediction. Incorporating more of the users as the phone owners as first-level review to mark items as private. Social media is also a big part of our future need discovery, and although it's already here and we do review process and people review Facebook accounts and Twitter accounts and LinkedIn accounts, I think that part of the industry is just going to become more a little bit easier. It's not as easy as standard ESI processing mm-hmm. right now. And now you have Snapchat where those messages disappear. Yeah, well, you know, believe it or not, just like um, everyone's impression that when you deleted a document on your desktop that that was gone later when forensics would come and collect it, and you're like, hey, didn't I delete that? That uh, document is still there. Snapchat is the same way. That is simply a flag on those documents. So if the device was collected and Snapchat was collected with and the user authentication, you know, authenticated the collection of that data, you would certainly collect all of those deleted Snapchats. Well, the users better beware. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that's just so dangerous, to be honest with you. If we think about email in the early stages of discovery where it was so... I don't know, people were a little bit more carefree with their communications, and that's when you could really find the smoking gun because people just simply weren't aware that that information could potentially be collected and and reviewed by attorneys. Throughout the years, people have a better understanding because they're signing agreements with their companies that say, you know, we have access to your data, we're saving your data, we could look at your data. So I think people are a little more formal in their communications and cautious about how they communicate with others. But that carefree style is still on social media. Whenever the smoking guns come out, they all seem to be coming from a mobile device or a WhatsApp account. <laughs> yeah, people are way more casual. But, but you got exactly. people are getting in trouble for a tweet they have, you know. That is no doubt. And you know, that's, that is so interesting. People begin to feel that that freedom, and it is a freedom, their, their own personal account, that they're communicating opinions or not really realizing the impact of, of those that it may offend. And then, of course, always, or most of the time, coming back and then apologizing. But now I think society is just holding people accountable It's not just your employer that's going to hold you accountable at times. If you have a position 
where you have millions of followers and they may hold you accountable as well. That's for sure. Seen that time and time again. Right. So going back to the nomination, Judy, um, I want to share the final piece that your colleague had to say. Judy participates in numerous organizations that work to improve and promote the e-discovery industry, including the Association of Litigation Support Professionals, Women in e-Discovery, Sedona Conference, Electronic Discovery Group, Electronic Discovery Professionals, Predictive Coding and Analytics in e-Discovery and GRC, Litigation Professionals, iPro User Groups, eLegal, and the International Associations of Defense Counsel, the eDiscovery Education Initiative. So why do you think it is important for professionals in eDiscovery to join these types of associations? Well, first and foremost, it's really to network. You're going to meet so many individuals that experience the same challenges that you do day in and day out. And these are forums to really solve a lot of those problems and discuss situations or even understand from a legal perspective, from a technology perspective, from an information perspective of how particular issues are viewed. These organizations just really help frame the business. You know, whether it's if you are into electronic discovery processing, there is a multitude of associations out there. I would recommend start with one. Maybe just go into one like a LinkedIn group and, and see some of the communications. Find one that's right for you. Meet the people. Meet all of the individuals who communicate day in and day out with these groups. Who are the leaders of the organization? Do they have networking functions or social functions where you can meet people face-to-face within your chapter, your local area? Do they have annual seminars you know, that you can go to? And it's not that you have to go to everything, but it's just a great resource to turn to when potentially you're facing a, a challenge that you're not sure the appropriate direction. It gives you many, many options of how a whole circle of people are facing that problem and how they may approach it. It kind of reminds me of what you said about having all these different mentors who have helped you in all different facets of your career. Exactly. Great. And Judy, with time wrapping up here, what advice would you give someone who is just starting their career in the field? Well, it's a broad field. So if you're going to just start in the area, unless you really know what area you want to have your, to be a subject matter expert in, I would say just try to dabble in a little bit of each. Try to learn about the entire industry from information through collections, through processing, hosting, and production. Learn it all. You know, learn a little bit of it all and then really try to focus on the one area that you're interested in. But above all, once you do become that subject matter expert in that area, definitely own your knowledge. Own it, defend it, and teach it because Mm -hmm. there's so many that want to learn and not so many that want to teach it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. share your knowledge and own your knowledge. Judy, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been great. Thank you. And from Stellar Woman and eDiscovery, I'm Mary Rick Torres. Have a great day.